You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, praise the Lord. We're still into the parables of Jesus. This is the fourth message on the parables. We're going to be looking at the barren fig tree today. Luke chapter 13, verses uh, verses 1 to 9. Luke 13. We've got it on the overhead, I think. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree, planted it in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look, for three years, I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not after that, you can cut it down. There was a young boy who went over to a pastor's house where the pastor was doing some carpentry in his garage. The boy simply stood there and watched him for quite a long time. Finally, the preacher stopped what he was working at and said, Son, are you trying to pick up some pointers on how to build something? The boy replied, No, sir. I'm just waiting to see what happens when a preacher hits his thumb. (laughs) We will find out that what we're made of by what comes of our mouth in difficult situations. When Jesus takes up residence in our lives, we do experience a change in conduct and character. For some of us, it takes a little longer than others. But it's an evidence that there is a fruit beginning to grow in our lives. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit 
In Galatians 5.22, says, The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And a Christian's life should be characterized by these fruit in our lives. And of course, we always have control of our actions and what we're doing, what we do and what we don't do. You can choose to have a, temp a temper tantrum when you uh, hurt yourself in some way, or you can choose to praise the Lord. Amen? It was very funny for me when I was growing up. Both my father and my uncle were born-again Christians and fairly solid Christians. And when things went wrong, they all, we all had pet words. But it wasn't, it wasn't curse words or anything like that, but, but they, had, they had those little words that they would say when uh, my father, basically, one thing that he would say was, everything to torment. Of course, now, Newfoundlanders know what torment is, but you don't. Torment is just torment. It's just... <laughs> I want to talk first of all today about the power of repentance. There is a common, there's a common thread throughout Scripture that applies to all people. And that is repentance. Too often we judge the sins of others without considering our own state. There is usually some stuff in my own life that needs to be dealt with first. Before I get too concerned about what's going on in your life. And I'm talking about looking at each other in a judgmental way. You remember Jesus said, don't try to take the speck out of your brother's eye until you've dealt with the log that's in your own eye. Right? And so we always need to look inwardly. It's easy to find fault with somebody else, but what is going on in my life? Do I have the right to criticize my brother when I may not be doing the same thing as I'm faulting my brother for, but I may be doing something just as bad or worse. So we need to keep short accounts with God. We need to be right up front with him because, you know, our life is an open book before him. He sees me exactly what I am like. He knows what I am. He knows what I'm thinking. He knows what I did. He knows what I'm going to do. And so we need to be truthful to ourselves before God. I need to get the log out of my own eye. And then maybe I can help my brother or my sister, not in a critical way or criticizing them, but helping them to do probably the very same thing that I had to do to get this big thing out of my life. 
to get that little thing out of theirs. Leading up to this parable is a report that comes to Jesus concerning two disasters in which a number of people lost their lives. In those times, the Jews equated suffering with sin. If somebody was suffering, if somebody was sick, oh, there's got to be sin in your life. God is punishing you. But you know something? There are some people who still believe that God is punishing them when sickness or tragedy strikes them. And it is certainly not the case. You cannot find it in the Bible. Amen? So get it out of your mind. If someone was suffering, it was because they had been guilty of sin and were being punished by God. Jesus' disciples must have believed this when they questioned Jesus concerning a blind man. You remember what they said in John chapter 9, verses 2 and 3? Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man or his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. In other words, they didn't sin, but God will reveal himself through this situation. God will heal this man and people will give glory to God. And every difficulty that you and I face in life can be used as an opportunity for God to get the glory. First of all, we've got to settle it in our hearts and in our mind that the Bible is God's word that it don't just contain the words of God, it is the word of God. God designed that what we have, what we know as the Bible today, although it was written by a lot of people over a large span of time, is exactly what God wanted us to have in this generation. So it seems that many believe that the slaughtering of the Galileans by Herod And the tower falling on people in Jerusalem were just results of their being guilty of sin. And nothing could have been further from the truth. This prompted Jesus to answer their question with a question. Do you suppose, he asked, that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? Or those 18 who under which the Tower of Sol- Salom fell and killed them, do you think they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? This is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He wasn't saying, unless you repent, a tower will fall on you, or you will be massacred. He says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. You see, the fact is, Jesus is bringing to their attention, we all die, and we don't know when. It can be just as sudden as it was for those people. 
I'm reminded of Brother Doug. He was in, you were in church last Sunday, right? Last Sunday you were, you, you were in the hospital. The, the week before, he wakes up in the, sometime in the, in the morning and he's got tremendous pain. Make a long story short, he ends up in Edmonton. He's having a heart attack and he had some stints put in Got out on Monday, Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. And he's in church this morning. Now that can happen to any one of us. I mean, according to the medical profession in the world, I mean, uh, I'm a prime candidate for that to happen any time. Right? But God... But God. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you don't know. You know, like you look at those people and you say, well, they were so bad that, that God is punishing them. But unless you repent, unless you turn away from the things that you're doing right now, the sinful things that you're doing, something could happen to you just as quickly. And if that should happen... If you die with a heart attack instantly, or you're, you're caught in a car accident and you die instantly, and you don't have any opportunity, after you've drawn your last breath, you will, what the Bible calls, perish. That has to do with, with the soul. That has to do with the spirit of man. You can't make amends. You can't do something to make it better after you've died a physical death. Although we are just as alert, probably more alert and more sensitive to what is going on and, and everything else after we die than when we are living in those fleshly bodies. We can't do anything about it. This is the span of time that God has given us to make decisions. And one of the main decisions we need to make after accepting Jesus Christ as our, as our Savior is to repent. And to repent means to turn a different direction. I'm walking in sin this way. Well, it just goes to reason. I'm going to stop walking in sin. I'm not doing that stuff anymore. And then walking in righteousness this way. And that's what Jesus is telling them. You've got to change your ways because you don't know how long you have, what the span of life for you is on this earth. And when you die, it's too late then. You can't make a decision for God after that. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. The point is that we do not know the day or the hour of our physical life, that our physical life will end. Anyone living a sinful life needs to repent to turn away from sinning. 
God views self-righteousness as filthy rags. That's what the Bible says. Filthy rags, dirty rags. It's not worth much to God. Jesus died so that we can have life everlasting and live in righteousness, live the right way. Then Jesus proceeds to share a parable to enlarge on what he really means. There is more to being a Christian than confessing sins and being forgiven. The Christian life is a life of faith. Faith is believing and acting upon what is written in God's word, the Bible. So if you go to church, read your Bible, and follow its teaching, you will become a stronger Christian. You have to. Because all of these things helps to build you up spiritually. And if you do that, then more than likely, you're going to turn away from a sinful lifestyle. So let's look at the parable. In this parable, the vineyard owner represents God. The gardener or the vineyard keeper represents Jesus. And the tree itself has two symbolic meanings. First of all, it refers to the nation of Israel and the individuals of that nation. But it can also apply to any nation. It certainly applies to Canada, to any church, any congregation, any person, any individual. It has a, a universal application. And so we take it right down to moi. Amen? You and I, me. As the story unfolds, we see the vineyard owner expressing his disappointment at the fruitless tree. It is God's plan and purpose that his blood-bought people be fruitful. Now, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit and everything like that, but I think this goes a little further than that. So when you talk of an apple tree being fruitful, what do you expect to find on the apple tree? Apples. Okay. And so how would you get more apple trees? From the seed that comes from the apples. Right. And when God created man, what is the first thing he said to the first man and the woman? Well, after he gave, her to, gave him the woman. Be fruitful and multiply. So what was Adam going to multiply? What was, what was going to be his fruit? His seed, which is? Pardon? Children. Children. His family. Okay. Okay. Follow me now. We're not having sex education or anything. (laughs) 
So now we are born again, right? We're born again. So we're children of God. All right. And he wants us to be fruitful. Now, can you tell me, what do he expect us, the church, to be fruitful in? Shout it out, what? How about bringing other people to Christ? How about being evangelical, evangelist, sharing our faith with others? All of these other things are are good. This fruit of the Spirit, it has to be a part of our life, yes. But we should be very uncomfortable if we can go through life and never lead someone else into the kingdom. Like you have the nice little average family, mom and dad and two kids, boy and a girl. And you have the attitude, us four and no more. Don't mean you're not going to have more kids. It just means that we're going to heaven. As long as we get there, we don't care about anyone else. It's a terrible attitude to have, but we need to check our spirit because the church needs to grow. We need to be fruitful and multiply. And of course, when the fruit of the spirit is, is operating in our lives, that influences other people. When people see God in us, when people see the works of God in us, it's going to make them want to be a part of what God is doing. It's interesting to note that John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, he was approximately six months older than Jesus. He preached the message of repentance. It is God's plan and purpose that his blood-bought people be fruitful. Jesus said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look, for, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this tree, and I find none. There's no fruit here. And so John the Baptist begins his ministry. Matthew 3, verse 2, Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn around. Turn away from your wickedness. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Isn't it amazing that no matter what you're into now, no matter what you're doing now, you're living on the acting side of life. You can say, Lord, I'm sorry Forgive me, I confess I'm a sinner, and turn away from that and start this very moment and start going in God's direction. And the beautiful thing is that all of that past, if you've broken the law, you're going to have to suffer the consequences of that. But all of your sin, as far as God's concerned, 
is wiped clean, washed away, and you've got a clean slate. Although you might have a record that needs to be sponged or whatever you call it, there is no record in heaven. Once you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, there's no record in heaven of you having ever sinned. You are justified in his sight, the Bible says, just as if you had never sinned. Isn't that amazing? Matthew, Jesus preached a, a message of repentance for three and a half years also. In Matthew chapter 4, Verse 17, he started off his ministry by saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But the nation, the religious, the government, and the people, by and large, did not receive this message. The desired fruit was not forthcoming. And he has looked for fruit for three years from his tree, and he has found none. This is what he had seen in Israel. And if you follow church history, you'll realize, early history, you'll find in 70 AD, the very thing that Jesus prophesied took place. The nation was destroyed. The desired fruit was not forthcoming, and he looked for fruit and couldn't find it. The three-year period is significant because for three years, John the Baptist and Jesus had been preaching the message of repentance throughout Israel. But the Jews were offered, offended rather, by the idea and they, that they needed to repent, and they rejected their Messiah because he demanded repentance from them. There's a lot of people who would love to have Jesus in their heart, but they want to keep their old sinful things. And it can't be done. Jesus said, you'll serve one or the other. You can't serve two masters. The lesson for us is that God's patience has a limit. This is borne out in Genesis chapter 7, where just before the flood, God says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. In the parable, the vineyard owner grants another year of life to the tree. And to me, that sort of speaks of the value of intercession. The gardener said, why don't we just, just let me take care of this and, and, and dig around it and, and prepare it and maybe come back in a year and yeah, let's see. If it bears fruit, great, we'll keep it. But if not, then we can cut it down. And intercession is going out on behalf of you and behalf of me and God is hearing those intercessory prayers. And over a span of time, 
people who we thought would never come to God, is now serving Jesus Christ. We've had people in this church, I know of a couple of women, whose husbands wasn't interested in serving God in no way, shape, or form. But they prayed earnestly and became intercessors and prayed for their husbands. And today they're serving God. Some of them were 10, 15, 20 years praying for that man before he made a decision for Christ. It's what God will do. So never discount your prayers. Amen? You may have lived a fruitless life since your born-again experience. And maybe you seem to be no worse off for it. You're going with the flow. You give generously to the church. You help out wherever help is needed. You're experiencing the patience of your loving Heavenly Father. It's not laxity with Him. Do you know that He loves you so much? He has the power to wipe you and I off the face of this earth in a, in a moment. But He don't. He's not angry with you. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants you to be a part of his family. In the same way God, in his mercy, grants us another day, another hour, another week. For 2 Peter 3, 9, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. As some men count slackness. But he is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Now again, that word perish. We know it's not referring to death. So it's got to refer to something else. Because you see, death, physical death, is the separation of body from the spirit and the soul. The body no longer functions, and the spirit and the soul is released from the body and goes wherever God designs it to go. But there is... That, that word perish, which means a person can be eternally separated from God. That's the second death. It's not such a tragedy to die a physical death. But if you die a, a, a spiritual death, that is tragedy. 
There is a place, the Bible says, prepared for the devil and his angels. That all who reject God will go. That is the second death. That is total, eternal separation from your creator. The one who created you. The one who who put you on this earth and filled you with all kinds of gifts and talents and potential. That you could be whatever you desired to be. And you've rejected all of that for an eternity without him. His patience will come to an end. We were reminded of the words of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. God cares about results. So the third point is fruitfulness. God cares about results. He cares about effectiveness. He cares about performance. In one word, God is looking for fruitfulness. Fruitfulness falls into the category of good works, obedience, a change of life. Living a life that is effectively in making with a making a difference in others. When we repent of our sins and begin believing in God, good fruit will be born into our lives that will soon be evident to all that we come in contact with. Babes in Christ need to be fed, but there comes a time when you feed others because you and I are blessed to be a blessing. God expects every Christian to be fruitful. Salvation is not fire insurance. It's not just about being saved and going to heaven. It's about relationship, loving Jesus, serving Jesus, and sharing Jesus with others. Living a fruitful life and then going to heaven with Jesus for eternal reward. I'm about to conclude here. Do you do these good works not so you can become a Christian, but because you are a Christian. It's good to do good works every, all the time. And sometimes we have people who do not profess to be a born-again Christian who would put born-again Christians to shame in the good works that they do. But uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Nothing we could do, we couldn't earn it. We just receive it. Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin and for your sin. Nothing we can do. We can't make it up to him. In any way, 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us and as a new in Jesus Christ so that we can do the good things he planned for us to do long ago. He saved us to do good works. We don't do good works to be saved. Christians are supposed to become increasingly fruitful year after year. People should see the character, the love, the affection, and the generosity of God in you. Jesus explains it this way in John chapter 15, verses 4 and 7, 4 to 7. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch that is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Scriptures like these, we should be reading over and over and over again and letting it sink into our hearts, letting it sink into our spirit, not, not just in our mind, not just to memorize it, but to get it down into our spirit, what that means to abide in Christ. A life of fruitfulness is in relationship with God out of love to bless and to help others. We all need to take stock of our lives. We are all in that probation, probationary area of fourth year. We're in the fourth year period, symbolically. Jesus has done everything necessary to help us to be fruitful. He's dug around and fertilized us and pruned us to a point where we have no excuse but to bear fruit. He did not do that to grant us more time to do nothing for his kingdom. You see, the Bible is very clear. He's coming again. It's not always going to be like it is right now. He will return. He said he would. And he expects to use us to use this time that we have remaining to produce fruit in our lives. To affect others for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people who are considering taking their own lives because they're fed up with life and they don't see any way out. And your life and my life can influence them to have hope again? How do you compare to the barren fig tree? Just ask yourself, how do I compare 
to that barren fig tree. Just one more question to ponder. If you had just one year, like that, that tree, said, give it one more year and we'll see if it bears fruit. If it's not bearing fruit by then, then let's take it out. If you had just one more year to turn your life around, what would you do? Oh, how I wish that you could hear the Holy Spirit speak into your heart today and to explain to you how important that question is. If I had just one more year. Would that year be different? And if it would be different, time goes so fast. It's just about time. Another year is just about past. It's just about time to start thinking about Christmas gifts, doing your Christmas shopping. Where did the year go? So I would suggest, suggest to you that if you would do, th do things differently if you knew for sure that you only had one more year to change your ways, I would suggest that you consider changing it today. Putting it off to next week. You could find yourself in a different situation than Doug. You may not make it to Edmonton. It's not too late to make the necessary changes now. I guess that's the good news, that's the positive report of this message, is it's not too late. You can do something about it, you can do something about it this morning. We've got people here that will pray with you. I love leading people to Jesus. I love seeing the change that takes place when a man, a woman, or a boy, or a girl decides I'm going to let Jesus have my life. Folks, Mark and I are in conversation every day and making some plans for this fall and for the winter coming up. But we've got to have people who are saying, I want to be fruitful. Not only I want to be fruitful, but I'm going to be fruitful. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make a difference in Cold Lake. If you need to do some business with God today, whether it's to ask him into your heart for the first time, maybe you've been serving God and you've gotten slack in your walk with God. You're not very close to him today. But maybe you've sensed his power and his presence since you come into this place. Follow through on it now. 
come back to the father, prodigal son, prodigal daughter, come back home. Your Christian family is waiting to receive you with open arms. Together, we're going to see God do some great things in the hearts and the lives of our community. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Amen. Lord bless you. If you need prayer, come. Our worship team will lead us in some numbers. Amen. Hallelujah. Precious Heavenly Father, I just pray that you will just bless our people today. Let your blessing be upon each one. I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, will make your word real to every heart. And we want to thank you, Lord, that you can do what we can only think of, Lord. Your word tells us that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly of all that we ask or think. So Lord, we know that you're here right now to heal, to deliver, to set free, to save. Lord, whatever the need may be, physically, spiritually, financially, Lord, you're willing to help your people. You want to help us. You said you have not because you ask not. So Lord, we believe and we receive from you. Bless your people as they go to their different homes, give traveling mercies on the highway, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.